Hello, everyone. It's November 11th, and this is the One Year Bible Tour Guide podcast. I'm your host, David McAdam, pastor and Bible teacher at New Life Community Church in Concord, Massachusetts. And it is a joy to have you with us today as we read through more of the 66 books of the Bible. We are reading the book of Ezekiel in the Old Testament and the book of Hebrews in the New. Two very different books, but with specific God-given revelations that are important for us to digest. You might be finding the book of Ezekiel as being very strange. Today we will read another unusual parable that is used to describe what happens when God's people turn away from him. In this case, he will tell the story of both the northern and southern kingdoms, likening them to two wayward sisters, guilty of spiritual adulteries, covenantal unfaithfulness. Ezekiel is not making this story up. God himself is giving Ezekiel this message. How important it is for us to recognize our sinful idolatries and turn from them. We are not to make unholy alliances with the world system. In the New Testament, James, the half-brother of Jesus, warns us in his epistle, You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. James chapter 4, verse 4. The Apostle John also writes about the corrupt world system. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, he writes, Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. You have heard people sing the hymn, All Things Bright and Beautiful. Well, someone once wrote a book on Ezekiel called All Things Weird and Wonderful, and by this time in our reading you can understand why. Let's pick up where we left off yesterday and begin with Ezekiel chapter 23 and the unusual parable of the two sisters, Ahola and Aholabah. Ezekiel chapter 23, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, there were two women, the daughters of one mother. They played the whore in Egypt. They played the whore in their youth. There their breasts were pressed and their virgin bosoms handled. Ahola was the name of the elder, and Aholaba the name of her sister. They became mine, and they bore sons and daughters. As for their names, Ahola is Samaria, and Aholaba is Jerusalem. Ahola played the whore while she was mine, and she lusted after her lovers, the Assyrians, warriors clothed in purple, governors and commanders, all of them desirable young men, horsemen riding on horses. She bestowed her whoring upon them, the choicest men of Assyria, all of them, and she defiled herself with all the idols of everyone after whom she lusted. She did not give up her whoring that she had begun in Egypt, for in her youth men had lain with her and handled her virgin bosom and poured out their whoring lust upon her. Therefore I delivered her into the hands of her lovers, into the hands of the Assyrians after whom she lusted. These uncovered her nakedness. They seized her sons and her daughters, and as for her, they killed her with the sword, and she became a byword among women, when judgment had been executed on her. Her sister Aholaba saw this, and she became more corrupt than her sister in her lust and in her whoring, which was worse than that of her sister. 
She lusted after the Assyrians, governors and commanders, warriors clothed in full armor, horsemen riding on horses, all of them desirable young men. And I saw that she was defiled. They both took the same way. But she carried her whoring further. She saw men portrayed on the wall, the images of the Chaldeans portrayed in vermilion, wearing belts on their waists, with flowing turbans on their heads, all of them having the appearance of officers, a likeness of Babylonians whose native land was Chaldea. When she saw them, she lusted after them and sent messengers to them in Chaldea. And the Babylonians came to her into the bed of love, and they defiled her with their whoring lust. And after she was defiled by them, she turned from them in disgust. And when she carried on her whoring so openly and flaunted her nakedness, I turned in disgust from her, as I had turned in disgust from her sister. Yet she increased her whoring, remembering the days of her youth when she played the whore in the land of Egypt and lusted after her lovers there, whose members were like those of donkeys and whose issue was like that of horses. Thus you longed for the lewdness of your youth when the Egyptians handled your bosom and pressed your young breasts. Therefore, O Oholaba, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will stir up against you your lovers from whom you turned in disgust, and I will bring them against you from every side, the Babylonians and all the Chaldeans, Pekod and Shoah and Koah and all the Assyrians with them, desirable young men, governors and commanders, all of them, officers and men of renown, all of them riding on horses. And they shall come against you from the north with chariots and wagons and a host of peoples. They shall set themselves against you on every side with buckler, shield, and helmet. And I will commit the judgment to them, and they shall judge you according to their judgments. And I will direct my jealousy against you, that they may deal with you in fury." They shall cut off your nose and your ears, and your survivors shall fall by the sword. They shall seize your sons and your daughters, and your survivors shall be devoured by fire. They shall also strip you of your clothes and take away your beautiful jewels. Thus I will put an end to your lewdness and your whoring begun in the land of Egypt, so that you shall not lift up your eyes to them or remember Egypt any more. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will deliver you into the hands of those whom you hate, into the hands of those from whom you turned in disgust, and they shall deal with you in hatred, and take away all the fruit of your labor, and leave you naked and bare, and the nakedness of your whoring shall be uncovered. Your lewdness and your whoring have brought this upon you, because you played the whore with the nations and defiled yourself with their idols. You have gone the way of your sister, therefore I will give her cup into your hand." Thus says the Lord God, You shall drink your sister's cup that is deep and large. You shall be laughed at and held in derision, for it contains much. You will be filled with drunkenness and sorrow, a cup of horror and desolation, the cup of your sister Samaria. You shall drink it and drain it out, and gnaw its shards and tear your breasts. For I have spoken, declares the Lord God, Therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you have forgotten me and cast me behind your back, you yourself must bear the consequences of your lewdness and whoring. The Lord said to me, Son of man, will you judge Ahola and Aholabah? Declare to them their abominations, for they have committed adultery and blood is on their hands. 
With their idols they have committed adultery, and they have even offered up to them for food the children whom they had borne to me. Moreover, this they have done to me. They have defiled my sanctuary on the same day and profaned my Sabbaths. For when they had slaughtered their children and sacrificed to their idols, on the same day they came into my sanctuary to profane it. And behold, this is what they did in my house. They even sent for men to come from afar, to whom a messenger was sent, and behold, they came. For them you bathed yourself, painted your eyes, and adorned yourself with ornaments. You sat on a stately couch, with a table spread before it, on which you had placed my incense and my oil. The sound of a carefree multitude was with her, and with men of the common sort, drunkards were brought from the wilderness, and they put bracelets on the hands of the women, and beautiful crowns on their heads. Then I said of her who was worn out by adultery, Now they will continue to use her for a whore, even her, for they have gone into her, as men go into a prostitute. Thus they went into Ahola and to Aholabah, lewd women. But righteous men shall pass judgment on them with the sentence of adulteresses, and with the sentence of women who shed blood, because they are adulteresses, and blood is on their hands. For thus says the Lord God, Bring up a vast host against them, and make them an object of terror and a plunder. And the host shall stone them, and cut them down with their swords. They shall kill their sons and their daughters, and burn up their houses. Thus will I put an end to lewdness in the land, that all women may take warning and not commit lewdness as you have done. And they shall return your lewdness upon you, and you shall bear the penalty for your sinful idolatry, and you shall know that I am the Lord God. And this concludes our reading from today's portion from the Old Testament from the book of Ezekiel. Perhaps you can see the relationship of chapter 23 with the love story parable of chapter 16. Chapter 16 describes the orphan who became a queen and then a harlot, picturing Judah seduced by Canaanite worship. Chapter 23 shows how both Judah, the southern kingdom, and Samaria, the northern kingdom of Israel, are seduced into political alliances with ungodly nations. The two sisters who became prostitutes are Ahola, representing the northern kingdom, Israel, and Aholabah, the southern kingdom of Judah. Ahola, the name for the northern kingdom, means her own tent. Remember, the northern kingdom of Israel rebelled and separated from the southern kingdom of Judah. King Jeroboam built his own worship system, with its own priesthood, with two worship places, with two golden calves, one in Bethel and one in Samaria. It was man-made religion, her own tent. However, Aholabah, the name for the southern kingdom, means my tent is in her. God has chosen Jerusalem in Judah to be his worship center, the place of his tent or temple, the place for his altar and priests. Because of her favored position and because Judah housed the temple of Solomon, she thought that she was better than her sister, the northern kingdom. But the truth was, her sin was even more grievous to God. The eldest daughter, Ahola, is seduced by the Assyrians who lead her into idolatry, then turn on her, strip her of all worth, and destroy her and her children. A record on the black obelisk of Shalamanser III 
dated as written in 840 B.C., shows King Jehu of Israel prostrating himself before the Assyrian king. The sins of Judah are referred to in the parable of the second sister, Aholabah, in verses 11 to 21. She witnessed the perversions of her older sister, Ahola, Israel, and her destruction, but did not learn from her example of infidelity to the Lord. Instead, she engaged in the same practices as her sister and became even more depraved. She saw the decorated bas-relief figures of the Babylonian military officers carved on a wall in chapter 23, verse 14, and it aroused a desire within her to be allied with them. Messengers were sent, an alliance was made, and the adulterous relationship began. After she was defiled by them, she turned from them in disgust, in chapter 23, verse 17. The Lord says that He Himself turned from Judah in disgust, even as He had turned from Israel. Therefore, the Lord will call those with whom she engaged in illicit relationships to rise up and attack her, the Babylonians, Chaldeans, and Assyrians. The lust of these daughters lure them into relationships with lovers that not only bring them into the snare of idolatry, but turn on them and destroy them. The Lord will use this stern chastisement to cure Judah of her idolatries and unholy alliances. He will cure her of her trust in Egypt and her gods. Thus I will make your lewdness and your harlotry brought from the land of Egypt to cease from you, so that you will not lift up your eyes to them or remember Egypt any more. Ezekiel chapter 23 verse 27 He reminds his people that they have brought this judgment upon themselves in verse 30. When Judah could not travel to neighboring countries to partake of their pagan idolatries, she ordered home delivery, summoning priests from distant lands to come to Jerusalem to officiate idol worship in the temple. Ezekiel warns that those who are right with God will tell it like it is and expose their national idolatries in chapter 23 verse 45. The Lord promises to put an end to their lewdness by handing them over to the Babylonians. The reading ends with the familiar phrase found in the book of Ezekiel, Thus you will know that I am the Lord God. Your lewdness will be requited upon you, and you will bear the penalty of worshipping your idols. Thus you will know that I am the Lord God. Ezekiel chapter 23 verse 29. The scriptures remind us to examine ourselves to see whether we are in the faith. Test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves, or do you not recognize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail the test? In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, some might ask, Don't you believe in the security of the believer? Yes, I do, but like the Apostle Paul, I believe in the insecurity of the make-believer. Do you believe that Jesus is who He says He is? Do you identify with Him, trusting Him alone as your Lord and Savior? Then don't commit spiritual adultery by turning to any false god. Christ is in you. You are His dwelling place. His tent is in you. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price. Therefore, Glorify God in your body. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. Now let's move on to our next stop in our Bible reading tour to the New Testament, where we are reading the book of Hebrews 
And we are picking up where we left off yesterday in Hebrews chapter 10, beginning with verse 18, and we will read through to verse 39. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. For if we go on sinning deliberately, after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment, do you think, will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, and again the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But recall the former days when, after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come, and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. And this concludes our reading from today's portion from the New Testament, the book of Hebrews. Consider all that Christ has done to fulfill the demands of righteousness on our behalf. The Old Testament priesthood and sanctuary were just placeholders for that which was to come, a shadow anticipating the arrival of the shadow's substance. Because Jesus has opened the way into the holiest of all by his perfect once-and-for-all sacrifice, let us draw near. Let us enjoy the privilege of access and come to know him as he is. Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 22. 
let us encourage each other to experience the good of the gospel and all the privileges that Jesus won for us. How do we do that? Not by forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Let us hold fast to the gospel. Be sure to go beyond just investigating it. Go beyond an experimental taste of it. Swallow it. Cleave to it. Why? Because there is nothing else that compares. There is no better news than what has been offered to us in Christ. There is no alternative. God has not provided any other name under heaven whereby we can be saved. In Acts chapter 4, verse 12, If we reject Christ, opting for Judaism or any other religion, having understood Christ's atoning work, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. There is no other option. To turn your back on Christ and His perfect sacrifice leaves you no way to be saved, for there's no alternative. For if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire which will consume the adversaries. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 26 and 27. This is a strong warning against apostasy. To reject the atoning work of Jesus Christ is to trample the Son of God underfoot, treating the shed blood of Jesus as an unholy thing and blaspheming the Spirit of grace. What awaits someone who willfully rejects Christ, knowing the facts of the gospel, that Jesus is a better and truer mediator than the angels, a better and truer deliverer than Moses, a better priest than Aaron, and offers a better sacrifice, they can only look forward to the kind of severe judgment of raging fire that consumed those who rejected the law of Moses. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 31. These Hebrews appreciated the value of the finished work of Christ to the degree that they withstood much persecution and hardship. The writer of this letter reminds them, Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35. The writer has great confidence in these believers. In this final verse of the chapter, we can see the contrast between the way of faith that leads to life and willful unbelief that leads to death. But we are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the preserving of the soul. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 39. Now let's go to the Bible's songbook, the book of Psalms, and we are reading Psalm 109, verses 1 through 31. Help me, O Lord my God, to the choir master, a psalm of David, Psalm 109. Be not silent, O God of my praise, for wicked and deceitful mouths are open against me, speaking against me with lying tongues. They encircle me with words of hate and attack me without cause. In return for my love they accuse me, but I give myself to prayer. So they reward me evil for good and hatred for my love. Appoint a wicked man against him. Let an accuser stand at his right hand. When he is tried, let him come forth guilty. Let his prayer be counted as sin. May his days be few. May another take his office. May his children be fatherless and his wife a widow. May his children wander about and beg, seeking food far from the ruins they inhabit. May the creditor seize all that he has. 
May strangers plunder the fruits of his toil. Let there be none to extend kindness to him, nor any to pity his fatherless children. May his posterity be cut off. May his name be blotted out in the second generation. May the iniquity of his fathers be remembered before the Lord, and let not the sin of his mother be blotted out. Let them be before the Lord continually, that he may cut off the memory of them from the earth. For he did not remember to show kindness, but pursued the poor and needy and the broken-hearted to put them to death. He loved to curse. Let curses come upon him. He did not delight in blessing. May it be far from him. He clothed himself with cursing as his coat. May it soak into his body like water, like oil into his bones. May it be like a garment that he wraps around him, like a belt that he puts on every day. May this be the reward of my accusers from the Lord, of those who speak evil against my life. But you, O God my Lord, deal on my behalf for your name's sake, because your steadfast love is good, deliver me. For I am poor and needy, and my heart is stricken within me. I am gone like a shadow at evening, I am shaken off like a locust, my knees are weak through fasting, my body has become gaunt with no fat. I am an object of scorn to my accusers. When they see me, they wag their heads. Help me, O Lord my God, save me according to your steadfast love. Let them know that this is your hand. You, O Lord, have done it. Let them curse, but you will bless. They arise and are put to shame, but your servant will be glad. May my accusers be clothed with dishonor. May they be wrapped in their own shame as in a cloak. With my mouth I will give great thanks to the Lord. I will praise Him in the midst of the throng, for He stands at the right hand of the needy one to save Him from those who condemn His soul to death. And this concludes our reading from the book of Psalms. I love these words, but I am a man of prayer. Psalm 109, verse 4, New International Version. Or, I am in prayer in the New American Standard Bible, or I give myself to prayer in the English Standard Version. What do you do when you are surrounded by those who slander and mistreat you? The psalmist's first resort is prayer. In return for my love, they act as my accusers, but I am in prayer. Psalm 109, verse 4. David endured many verbal attacks. He endured false accusations in 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse 7 through 13, 2 Samuel chapter 15, verses 3 and 4. So did Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 26, verses 59 through 61, chapter 27, verses 33 through 44. Psalm 109 is one of those imprecatory prayers where the intercessor calls down curses on his enemies. Although it sounds mean-spirited, it provides an insight into David's feelings of deep hurt, spiritual poverty, and weakness at this time. Some commentators believe that these curses are actually the curses that David's enemies have put upon him, and he is repeating them back to the Lord. David's enemies are misjudging his soul. He is asking God to turn the tables to vindicate his name. The psalmist is calling upon God to intervene and take vengeance in verses 6 through 20. The Lord hears his complaints as he does ours, but vengeance is his department. Notice the contrast between David's vindictiveness in prayer and the prayer of Jesus from the cross. 
But Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Luke 23, verse 34. It is from the cross that we can see God's justice administering justice by punishing sin. It is also from the cross that He will magnify His mercy and offer forgiveness. David's prayer ends with thanksgiving for the Lord's intercession on his behalf. With my mouth I will give thanks abundantly to the Lord, and in the midst of many I will praise him, for he stands at the right hand of the needy to save him from those who judge his soul. Psalm 109, verses 30 and 31. And now for our final stop in our Bible reading tour today, the book of Proverbs, chapter 27, verse 13. Take a man's garment when he has put up security for a stranger, and hold it in pledge when he puts up security for an adulteress. This is a repetition of Proverbs chapter 20, verse 16. Matthew Henry comments, Those who entangle themselves in rash suretyship ruin themselves. So do those who are in league with adulterous women. Place no confidence in either. Let's go before the Lord in the light of His word. Lord, you are a faithful God. We recognize how our fickle hearts can easily be turned to idolatry, seduced by covetousness and a love for false comforts. We ask that you would be sanctified in our hearts as God. May you be the supreme authority, governing our thoughts, captivating our affections, stirring our emotions, and ruling our wills. Help us to make decisions that will demonstrate that you are our supreme commander, and may all we do and say be in accordance with your choice purposes for our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you enjoyed All Things Weird and Wonderful, All Things Bright and Beautiful, and will continue to do so as our eyes are opened to the glories of Christ. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are His thoughts above our thoughts, His ways above our ways. We are so grateful for the revelation of His Word. I trust that if you have any questions or if you would like to make comments or let us know of prayer requests that you might have, you can always write us at podcast at newlife.org. And our website, newlife.org, is also where you can subscribe to a free daily email with a written copy of our commentary on each day's portion from the One Year Bible. Now, to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of His glory, blameless with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Shalom. Shalom.